You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. This is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And this week's podcast is sponsored by Therapy Clinic Limerick. I'm now joined in studio by journalist Bernie English. Bernie, how are you? Good morning, Keen. How are you? I'm not too bad. Good, good. You're Awaiting the storm and I, I am a bit chilly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I see you have a story in this week's paper about the trolley crisis, which seems to be just worsening every time in Limerick. It does. We broke all records this week and not in a good way. Um, more than 80 people on trolleys on one day this week. 1,200 patients on trolleys in the Dora Doyle Hospital last month alone. Um, Deputy Morris Quinlivan says that his constituents are telling him that he does, they don't want to go to the hospital. That even if they're sick, they're staying away. Because they know they're facing enormous weights um, on any given day now. Not just in winter, not just on particular days of the week. But... Um, it, it, it seems it seems to be accepted now that if you end up in the ED in uh, in the University Hospital Limerick, you're going to be there quite a while, so pack your pyjamas, you know. Uh, if you need to be admitted to the hospital, you're going to be there even longer. <laughs> um, and Deputy Quinlivan is saying this, this is not fit for purpose. To be fair, the hospital has been saying the same thing for quite some time. And they are encouraging people to go to to try to to avail of other facilities, such as uh, the small injuries clinic in Johns and the small injuries clinic in Nina and Ennis. Um, those 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 are th- those clinics will look at minor injuries such as breaks, skulls, uh, but anything on the nature of a heart attack or dementia or stroke or anything like that has to go out to the hospital inevitably has to go to the main hospital in Dura Doyle which is of course causing enormous delays mm. and you know people can't help being sick but it's it's quite serious when you when you have a doll deputy saying sick people are not availing of a hospital facility I'd imagine just, as well with, with asking people to avail of other services if you have an accident it's hard to decide which well, hospital is best suited to it you? Is, it is, boy, yes, you know? it is. It is quite difficult for a yeah. layman to decide that. If you have a pain in your stomach, you know, is it? Do you need to go to Limerick or do you need to go somewhere else? Yeah. And by and large, uh, just speaking from personal experience, unless you have an injury which has just happened and you've, you know, fallen down the stairs and twisted your ankle or broken a finger or got concussion from a falling rock or something, and you can associate it with something which has just happened. There's very little the other injury clinics can actually do for you. Yeah, um, they will they will channel you through through UHL. But uh, the advice is to try seek help well, from these yes. other services. Yeah, in, or your GP in, in the a first case instance. where you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably if people are in doubt. Although let's face it, most of us don't want to have to spend fifty or sixty quid <laughs> to the doctor to be told something we already know. Um, the hospital would would say your first port of call is your GP, who will direct you to which service you ought to. You ought to uh, you ought to go go to, and of course, if you're going to go to the ED, anyone who's not got a medical card will know that it's cheaper to go out there if you go to your GP first. So that might be the, the lesser of two evils. Um, but yeah, it's, the situation in the hospital is is not improving, and it's probably not going to improve for quite some time to come. The hospital management are looking to the building of the um, extra beds, and they say this is the only thing that's actually going to solve it in the long run. Um, but that's quite a way down the road. So what's what's going to happen in the meantime is anybody's guess, but it certainly seems we're writing about this week after week, several times a week sometimes. And, you know, there must be some sort of interim solution. And uh, another story there that has a a long term uh, scale in Limerick, I suppose, is the revitalisation of O'Connell Street. I know people have been speaking about it for some time now. Nine years, Keen. Nine years, Bernie. (laughs) Uh, A bit before my Limerick time, but... um, 
Plans have been approved by the council this week. Well, the first phase has been approved by the council this week, and that was not without its controversy either. There's nine million euros being spent on O'Connell Street on the first phase of improvement. Um, now, this has been spent basically to stop the pavements crumbling, um, and it's it, it it will just about do that. Plus, it will include some planting and some street furniture and stuff like this. So there was a huge debate on the council earlier this week, the Metropolitan District of the Council. Everybody had something to say about it. It was passed eventually, but, um, you know, there was some severe doubts raised about the whole thing. There was a suggestion, because it's uh, the National Transport Authority's plan, there was some suggestion that there might be two bus corridors, which would leave very room for anything else on O'Connell Street, really. Uh, There's also, you know, there is suggestions that the NTA will now take over the revitalization, revitalization of the main street in Limerick City and that Limerick will have no say in it, high up or low down. However, they voted it through and some of the issues raised were the double bus corridor, but there were some amendments to the original plan, one of them noticeably being that there will be um, a segregated cycle lane up O'Connell Street, which will then eventually join up with a planned cycle lane down Henry Street so that people can actually manoeuvre in the city both ways on bicycles, which has to be a good thing. There's also a proposal from uh, Labour Councillor Elena Seacass to have a 15 mile an hour, uh, kilometre per hour speed limit on O'Connell Street. Um, I suppose most of us would argue it doesn't go much faster there anyway, anytime. So <laughs> it's sort of moot. But that'll have to go through the whole bylaw and, and, and guard the process. Uh, so those two things are, are, are changes. Um, and then it's been approved. So at least they can start actually repairing pavements now. But it, it's not got a, a it's not got a universal welcome. Yeah. The uh, Traders uh, Forum have said it doesn't have the breadth of imagination that it could have had. Um, the Chamber are saying it's a good thing. But, you know, I suppose the proof will be in the pudding. Let's see how they start spending this money and does it improve things. Because it is the heart of our city. And it was approved uh, 15 votes to three, I believe. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was. Three, Fianna Fáil councillors. Yeah, even though I think some of the 15 who did vote for it had still had reservations. They voted on balance in favour of it to get the ball moving. Yeah. Um, sure, we'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bernie, thanks very much for joining us. You're and those stories are available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.ie. I'm now joined in studio by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, welcome to the studio. How are you getting on? I'm getting on very well. Thank you very much, Ken. You're enjoying the rugby today, I think. I am mm. indeed. Well, we're only into half time at this stage, so we're <laughs> three tries up and looking good, so we might be able to get back on the horse. Hopefully. Uh, Front page of this week's paper, a story by Alan Jakes. Yeah, he seemed to have caught uh, Willie O'Dea in a fairly bad mood anyway, because uh, Willie has taken a scattergun to a lot of targets around the place. So primarily the council, Limerick City and County Council. Uh, he reckons they're doing very, very little for their retailers in the city centre. Um, but he doesn't spare the Limerick 2030 committee or organisation from his uh, criticism either. Um, He's looking for the establishment of a task force because he maintains that the retail in the city centre is on its knees after years of neglect. Um, He is particularly exercised about the fact that there's been a fairly long list of closures among the retailers in the city centre. And among those he mentions the likes of Laura Ashley, Mothercare, Thornton's, Art and Hobbies, Serendipity, Wacky Shoes, The Body Shop. And uh, one that particularly hit him was, was uh, Ryan's Jewellers, which would be a long 
established Limerick company, uh, one that has uh, provided a lot of um, employment and also, um, you know, a lot of people probably would have got their engagement rings and wedding rings there. And um, this is one that that more or less must have uh, lit lit the spark for Willie because uh, he's gone very much on the rampage. He maintains that the council really are only interested in collecting rates and uh, parking charges. Um, He maintains that uh, they haven't done a huge amount. He points to the fact that there's no great uh, festival, which has been running since last May. Um, He also points the finger at the Limerick 2030. Now, despite the fact that uh, 2030 have done a fairly good job on the... um, uh, the Gardens International Development on, on Henry Street, he's sort of, he's looking at them now and saying, lads, you know, that you haven't been doing too fantastic in the Opera Centre. Um, now we see that that work is well underway on the rugby experience. So, you know, the council could come back and say, well, you know, we are doing a hell of a lot more than uh, uh, they're doing in a lot of other cities and towns. Nonetheless, um, Willie feels that there are a few problems and there are a few, a good few more retailers that are under pressure. Um, one of his problems is that there is a, a rates rebate scheme for small business um, and this has reduced the amount of rates that the retailers pay. His problem though is that they don't actually get this rebate until the following year by which time their their cash flow has already been um, fairly significantly affected, and they also are having problems with uh, you know finding money to, to to keep the to keep the company going in the here and now. So, is he hoping a retail task force is separate to Limerick Thirty Thirty or part of it? Uh, he is hoping that this would be uh, separate to it. Now, we we could see the logic there that he's, if he's able to introduce some of the some of the major players there, like obviously the retailers, the chamber, you have the council, but also you have uh, peripheral um, organisations such as you know the universities and those you know where you would be talking about them um, increasing their in their footprint in the city. You know, we have the old Dunn stores out there in Sarsfield Bridge that's been taken over by UL. We have uh, LIT uh, increasing its uh, presence in the city. We've we've had the LIT there in terms of the... School and art design. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, so this this is really what he's looking for, would be a sort of a more integrated and inclusive approach to it. Out of that, then, form your task force, come up with whatever recommendations are there, and then you know, the council will have to um, act on those re- recommendations. And that full story is available on the front page of Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.e. Jerry, thanks for joining me and you can get back to watching the game. I will indeed. Thank you, Kane. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Therapy Clinic Limerick. And I'm now joined in studio by host of the Limerick Post show, Megan Scully. Megan, how are you getting on? I'm great. How are you? I was just about to say, sure, it's Friday. I've got this problem all week. I'm a week ahead of myself in my head. So I'm guessing I still have to turn up for It's a week and a day if it's if you think it's Friday. Yeah, I'm very confused. Yeah. I just keep thinking it's Friday and I have to get that out of my head. It kind of feels like Friday today, doesn't it? it? it there is a Friday feeling about it. I think it's the whole uh, Storm Lorenzo thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was chatting to Jerry Collison mm-hmm. and it was half time in the rugger, in the rugby match. Ireland were doing well for themselves. They were. How to finish out? I will give you the exact score right now if you are planning to watch it on TV or, you know, if you've gone on the player. Turn away you your ears. Turn yeah. down your ears real quick. 35 nil to Russia. 
No, I joke. <laughs> 35 nil to us. Um, great game. But look, we needed that after what happened against Japan. We needed that pickup. So we're are doing good. Doing good. And uh, this week's Limerick Post Show. Yes. We had an interview with Foxjaw. Yes, we did. Limerick band. Um, Shane Serrano, you might know him. He does a lot of videography around town. He um, met in a, a music video. Yes, first. we did. Yeah. We were in a music video. He, we were, he was um, shooting and shooting. Right. Um, a very well-known music video with the two Johnnies called Shift. And I'm one of the girls in it. So we have the big interview coming up as well this week um, with Foxjaw. And then I know you were out and about. I was. I was talking to Ella from the Bula Bus Festival over in the Lime Tree and the Bell Table. So we're going to hear all about that. We are indeed. And it seems fairly interesting and a lot bigger than I thought it was. And uh, speaking of a big act and the rugby. Yes, I spoke to Brezzy. Brezzy, 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 um, during the week. Actually, that was a surprise um, interview, which we were really excited about. Yeah. We just got a quick call to run down to Dolan's. Um, the Blizzards are there. I can't say too much about it, but yeah, Brezzy will also be on the show this week. But there will be a full interview with Brezzy on the Blizzards coming in a couple of weeks' time. But we do have a little bit so of So keep your eyes and your yes. ears peeled. We've got a little sneaky peek at Brezzy and... Uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's a nice one. <laughs> and uh, is there anything else coming up, Megan? Yes, we are going to be chatting to a UL student called uh, Ross Walsh, aka DJ Welshy. He went viral during the week. Um, so he's actually so busy with college this week that we couldn't get him on the show. So he's going to come on next week. Nice one. Um, we also have an interview with All Twins, the band, who are playing Dolan's. And we actually have um, another interview with Jane Fraser coming up. So a load of stuff. Um, in the can and ready to be filmed and interviewed and all for the Limer Post show so limerpost.e forward slash show to get all our video content and uh, make sure as well that you're following us on across all social media to keep up to date um, with everything that we are doing and I believe the Limerick Post show comes out every Friday it most certainly does Friday is when the full show comes out um, so as a jam packed um, so look if you're sheltering from Storm Lorenzo tomorrow what better thing to do than to watch the show and if you're not sheltering from Storm Lorenzo tomorrow what better thing to do than watch the show Watch the show. <laughs> if you're at work, watch the show. <laughs> Just don't tell your boss what you're doing. Megan, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm now joined in the studio by journalist with Sporting Limerick, John Keogh. John, how are you? All good, Keogh, no? All good. Besides the storm, all yeah. good. You survived it anyway. Yeah, just about now. It was looking <laughs> dicey for a while. But uh, it must be nice sitting in watching the rugby while it's happening anyway. Yeah, nice isn't exactly the word <laughs> I'd use watching Ireland at the moment. Would, would it really? It's, it's just not going well. They're just... There's something lacking at the moment. Such a positive start against Scotland. Obviously, the defeat to Japan last week and yesterday against Russia wasn't exactly anything to write it home was, about it either. Be- they got the bonus point at least, you know. But um, yeah, but you're looking, you're looking for more than just look. You're going to beat Russia. You're going to when you look at New Zealand the other day against Canada, sixty-three nil, yeah. and just and, and just building and building and building nicely. What do you think the issues are within the team? The, the humidity seems to be the killer for Ireland. I mean, everyone's talking about the Japan game and the referees and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. arguably the referee, five or six decisions went against Ireland from an offside point of view that weren't being refereed the same at the other end of the pitch. I absolutely agree with that, but Ireland looked out on their feet after 35 minutes. It wasn't 50, 60 minutes. First half hour against Japan, Ireland played well. Then there was nothing for the rest of the game. To not score in 60-odd minutes of rugby is... Is very worrying. Number one, the humidity factor. It's yeah, it's it, it's a legit problem. No, no question of that. But it's Ar- not one you can really repair Ireland, for. Ireland too toured Japan a couple of years ago. They should yeah. have been well That's able true, for this. Yeah. They went through a preseason that was unheard of in preparation for this World Cup. The toughest preseason. Every single player said they've never seen anything like it. Could that be taken at all? I, I don't know. I, you'd have to ask a more qualified <laughs> conditioning coach on that. I, I, just, I, I don't see how it would be because 
they're fit but the humidity yeah. like I mean you see Ian, Ian Henderson coming on against Russia yesterday knocking on three balls within three or four minutes of coming on you're going what? yeah that's something fresh on the pitch like you know and i I just there's something amiss whether it stems back from the six nations i don't think it does i just you know the scottish game kind of shows okay maybe scotland weren't as good as maybe they were being said before the world cup ireland put in a very good 60 minutes in that game too i think one element of it has been at out half everyone talks about johnny sexton rightly being the fulcrum of the team when johnny sexton hasn't been on the pitch Jack Carty has struggled. Mm-hmm. He had a very good first half against Japan. Yeah. Very good first half hour. He had an awful second half. If you don't have that control, maybe Joey Carberry wouldn't give the same control. I'm not having a pop at Jack Carty. It's just if Johnny's it just seems if Johnny Sexton isn't on the pitch. He's the one pulling the strings or whatever. Against Scotland, okay, he he was limited. He couldn't do much because of a, a niggle in his calf or his tie or whatever it was. Conor Murray took over a lot of the kicking. Johnny Sexton kicked a couple of times from his hand and ran the ball a lot more. He was still on the pitch directing things, telling people where to be, this, that and the other. It's a big worry for me if they're that reliant on Johnny Sexton. They shouldn't be. I, look, it's the same if Conor Murray's off. Luke McGrath's in. Luke McGrath's a fine scrum half, but it's not the same. So what so, do you so, think... So, so to be that, that reliant on them players, we knew that a long time ago. Yeah. That, that this is the case but to be still that way you're, you're, you're wanting players to to step up to the mark have enough step up to the mark so far Dave Kilkine for me is one of the few that has enhanced his reputation since the World Cup again and uh, do you think quarterfinals will be the end of the road again if nothing changes if they get to the quarterfinal yeah. I mean if they perform like they did like Russia made something like 8 or 9 changes for the Irish game from their main yeah. team you know some more are going to hit Ireland with everything yeah. you know they're, they're going to see this as Another chance, like Japan did. Japan mm-hmm. had earned with everything. And we all know the result of that. And Japan could have won by more in the end. So, I mean, there's no guarantee. Okay, they'll, they'll probably beat Samoa. It'll be realistic. And Samoa, win over Samoa, puts them in a quarterfinal. At the moment, like, do they have enough to beat New Zealand or South Africa, who are going to be quarterfinal opponents? No. So, while this World Cup is going on, Munster are playing a few games. Munster in South Africa as well. Yeah, yeah. they started uh, the Pro 14 season. In horrific conditions last Saturday at Tolman Park against the Dragons. Like I was out there, it was nasty. The second the, the, the whistle went to start the game, just this rain came and it, and it didn't <laughs> stop. But Munster, 30-point winning margin. Anytime you do that, I don't care who you're playing, you win by 30 or points. Or what the you conditions score, are. Yeah. You score five or six tries in them conditions. And yeah. the way Munster played. Look, Stephen Larkham's the new senior coach and he, he's responsible for, for the backs. And the back game backs game plan and attacking game plan whatever else very good reputation was a very good player World Cup winner in Australia 20 years ago very well respected coach in rugby circles Munster have got a coup in, or a, like not a coup but they've pulled a brilliant one out of the fire to get him involved over the team first thing in his first press conference he mentioned when asked game plans and tactics and I said the first thing I see is offloads we're not offloading enough in the video I've seen so far it was very noticeable, even in the conditions. Monster were offloading an awful lot more, so that in, in alone. They're taking it line breaks, and, line yeah. breaks, 
and there was players coming through. Very, very positive start. I mean, some some very good performance. It's good to have someone make that assessment so early on as well. Immediately, and if, if he's pinpointing that, he's going to pinpoint other things clearly. Look, he's a very bright coach, very well-regarded coach. Not saying that Felix Jones wasn't. Yeah. Felix Jones with South Africa at the moment, the World Cup, Rassi Erasmus. Instantly, the second he had an opportunity to bring Felix Jones in, he brought him in. Up, so that yeah. tells its own story as well. Just maybe a change was needed at Munster, but... It, it, it was very good to see okay you, you do marry as well the opposition are the worst of the Welsh teams and the Dragons and they're missing a couple of players of the World Cup like once they're missing 12 but there was a lot of positives a lot of very good performances Kevin O'Byrne at Hooker had an outstanding game best I've ever seen him playing for Munster Arnold Botha was very solid Jack O'Donoghue looked very very good you would nine Nick McCarthy making his debut recent signing from Leinster um, very impressive at scrum half but out the wing, you'd Shane Daly, young Cork lad, who made a couple of appearances last There's year. There was a good few young lads in that team. There was a good few young yeah. lads, but but Shane Daly was the... There was a lot of experience within yeah. that as well. Yeah. Shane Daly put in an outstanding performance. Man of the match performance, glorious try. And Johan Van Graan was saying after the game, something he'd worked on in training, a little chip over the top, and collected it himself from about 10 yards out. Very, very good bit of skill. <laughs> Reminded me a lot of Keith Earls, and that's a big thing saying that. I'm yeah. not liking him too. But there was just hints of something Keith Earls would try and invariably it would come off. As we saw against Russia yesterday, who was Ireland's most potent attacker, Keith Earls, or against Russia. Um, you know, so very positive. They have two games in South Africa now over the next two weeks before a week off. Um, so yeah, look, you can only say it, it's going to be tougher. Jan van Graan was saying that the South African team seemed to have got their, got the grips with the Pro 14 or embracing it a bit more and they'll be playing their strongest teams in it. So... Interesting to see they're playing Kings first on Saturday and the following week against the Chiefs. Some good games coming up as well. And then uh, over to the GAA, John, we have the hurling finals this weekend. Yeah, it's a big, big weekend in Limerick GAA um, calendar year, um, certainly from a club point of view. The Bon Secures Hospital Limerick Senior Hurling Championship final between Patrick Swell and the Pearshick. And you have the Lions of Limerick Premier Intermediate Hurling Championship between Kildima Palace Kenry and Black Rock. That's on before the senior game. We talk about the there's Premier a double header now it's yeah, one isn't it yeah, yeah Premier Intermediate game first um, Kildime are unbeaten the likes of Kyle Hayes and their team huge player for Limerick and he obviously a huge player for his club um, they'll be going on in favourites against Blackrock uh, they drew when they met earlier in the year so that maybe shows the tightness between the teams of Kildime Palace Kennedy will definitely be favourites Blackrock led by Limerick stalwart Richie McCarthy and managed by former Limerick Selector Jimmy Quilty, who was with John Kiley when they won the 21s and the All-Ireland last year. And Jimmy Quilty's gone back to his club this year. Has had a huge impact because BlackRock looked to be floundering in the last number of years. Now they're on the brink of promotion to senior. So whoever wins that game goes senior next year. And that's sure that's as big as it gets, yeah. really. Like Senior game, you have two titans of Limerick Hurling. Patrick's well going for their 20th Daily Cup. And that'll put them one ahead of a hand. If it was hard to separate these two for the last couple of years. Yeah, Patrick's well have kind of been hit and miss. Yeah. But look, they won it. They were the last team outside of the Pearsley to win it yeah. in 2016, having lost the final to the Pearsley in 15. Kieran Carey is in charge. We've mentioned Kieran on this podcast many times over the last few months. He's definitely added something to them. They beat the Pearsley earlier this season in the group stages. And they beat Dune as well. Look, Patrick's well around beaten going into this game. The Pearsley guard, as, as Willow Dunhood and the Pearsley captain said to me when we were at the press launch last week, he said, look, they're unbeaten, we're not. You know, so it is a bone yeah. of contention for the Pearsley. It'll be interesting to see Aaron Galan return for Patrick's well last week, early from a d- double fractured jaw. Um, 
wasn't at his best I don't think he wasn't at his most accurate but I wouldn't think he'd done much training Yeah, he will have for Sunday Nipirshik are without Shane Dowling Nipirshik we're, we're nearly caught by Kilmallock they've been big rivals we mentioned before that Nipirshik had big win, a big win over Kilmallock in the championship this year but Kilmallock will kind of be smarting they didn't take their chance in the semi-final Nipirshik got out of jail a little bit and they'll admit that themselves So, but they are without Shane Dowling and it's going to be a huge loss William Henn is one player who stood up for them. I think he scored 13 points in the semi-final. Young lad, only under 21 this year. He's been a huge bonus for them. He's kind of filled the void a little bit from a scoring point of view. But look, if you're without Peter Casey the last day as well, who had a, a stomach bug, he'll be back. He's huge. I mean, Peter yeah. Casey, in, on his day, is unmarkable by anyone in the country. And forget about Limerick, anyone in the country. <laughs> so I'm sure Kieran Carey will have plans for everything that Nipirshik will throw at Patrick's well but I will also think that Nipirshik will be not that they weren't focused last time the two teams met a lot more focused they, they'll be ready you know and Mick Ryan is an All-Ireland winning manager Tipperary he knows what he's at so yeah look it's it, it, potential to be a cracker both games and potential to be crackers and very tight games as well so something to look forward to and keep Sunday. up to date with those on Sport and Limerick kind of course yeah and uh, there's a few games on today as well yeah, there's a ladies football final, intermediate football final that we're streaming live on Sporting Limerick this evening from McNeville Park in Ratkeel. Old Mill and Mungret St. Paul's, a lot of county players in action in that game. So tune in from 7.55 on Sporting Limerick's Facebook channel to have Excellent. a look at that. John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, thank you for joining me. More than welcome, Ian. For all your sports news and podcasts and videos and much, much more, visit sportinglimerick.com or follow the hashtag SportLK across all social media channels. John, thanks very much. This week's podcast is brought to you by Therapy Clinic in Limerick. And I'm joined in studio now by arts editor Rose Rush. Rose, how are you getting on? I'm good, I'm good, sir. Yeah, a busy week now. Yeah. Art season is re- performance art season is really in a high flow currently. There's a lot going on. And uh, one of the things that was going on, I had my mum visit me on Tuesday and we went to a murder is announced. Your mum was in well the, the goings on, isn't she? She is indeed. <laughs> And uh, you were there yourself on the Monday. but I was. I'd like to hear your perspective because we went on different nights. We did go on different nights and I really enjoyed it. And so did my man. We both enjoyed it. The set looked lovely. The costumes were perfect, I thought. Okay, and, uh, getting beyond that. that yeah. That's easy to do. So <laughs> if you have the money, yeah. setting stuff is easy. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was a good production. The acting was decent. But uh, the thing that done it for me was the atmosphere in the audience. So when the curtains had closed between scenes, we were all discussing, you know, what did you notice in the happening on stage when the lights went out and blah 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 you know so we were all chatting away and there was a good atmosphere in the audience and i think that made the show for us you know and how big was the house that night um there was a few rows empty at the back but other than that it was full there was a good crowd there mm. yeah i know by monday they'd sold at least 300 tickets per night in an auditorium for Brilliant. 510 at line three so that's really good going for a monday tuesday and a wednesday and then there was a matinee on the wednesday i think that's right yeah yeah, yeah. things yeah. were crazy just Brilliant. And uh, how, what did you think of it yourself, Rose? Okay, I went along Monday night for review purposes. Uh, we, As you know, a few of us work here late on a Monday evening, so it was easy to cross over directly to the concert hall. I saw your review posted online at limerickpost.e, but I didn't read it because I was going to watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> Keen, you're way ahead of reading my reviews. You never will. Um, I have to say I approached the show with a great sense of zest and anticipation. 
Lime Tree were beating a big drum about it, why wouldn't they? It was a huge investment on their part. They really had sort of, you know, top totty actors with respect to having a very, very strong television and uh, London theatre presence on stage here in Limerick. Um, Sarah Thomas of Last of the Summer Wine, she was in that show for 24 years, she played Miss Marple. Uh, the standout player on stage for me was Mitzi the Maid. Uh, she got a laugh every time she popped in, didn't she? <laughs> God, you know, she could, you know, really ring those bells. Yeah. Um, but then a wonderfully written zany character who sort of inhabited various personalities according to what way the wind was blowing. And uh, then Lottie, the central character in whose house everybody gathers, Kasia Pelka. Again, she's well known for television. I thought she did really well. Yeah, there was, was a good a, cast there. It was very strong cast, I thought. Yeah, I thought yeah. the actors were really good. Uh, I have to say, I'd have loved to have seen more animation and wit and inventiveness brought to the production. Uh, in what way, Rose? In what way? I thought it was as if uh, perhaps picture television director shooting a musical yep, and just the camera sits deadpan in front all the time and we don't get the interesting perspectives or angles or prop excitement that yeah. is possible with the budget that's clearly evident if they can secure middle ground theatre company can secure actors of this calibre and travel with a big show and all the lighting and design requirements and props entailed. You know, there, there's a little bit of money in the can. And as we know, box office is very good. What I did like about Agatha Christie is she's so well able to send up her own class. But does she do it with the wit and grace and sly mischief of Evelyn Wall? No, I, I for me, no. Monday night, uh, the audience, they, there wasn't a lack of electricity there. Yeah. Some people liked it, but they all say, oh, we love Agatha Christie, we love nostalgic period dramas, we love thrillers, X, Y, Z. I will tell the reader, that, sorry, the listener, that the story is completely unguessable. There's this gorgeous Shakespearean play of double and even triple identities. Uh, nobody is who they seem to be other than the honest cops. And I think we both like the detective. Very good. Yeah, yeah. he's played the, the, the inspector, played by um, Tom, Tom Butcher. And he works rather working in enmity or against each other with Miss Marple. Uh, they really complement each other with how they go to entrapment is, is the other sort of lo lovely plot device in this. Um, as I say in my review, there was the hiss of incest. Any amount of legacy liggers among this bewildering array of cousins that Lottie chooses to live with in her big house. Um, more people from the neighbourhood pile in after an ad is placed in the Limerick Post saying that a murder <laughs> will be announced in this lovely country home, little paddocks. And of course, Miss Marple arrives at the door. The other thing that really got me was everybody is so devoid of any idea of social cues and manners. People lump into the house at unexpected hours in the pretext of dropping back a pot of honey or here's my bag of apples or snooping indoors. Set in a different time, I suppose, it's, Rose. You know, you know, I think this is Agatha Christie really telling us, look, the, the upper classes can be so <laughs> ignorant and entitled in how they approach other people's properties and timelines. That gave me, you know, cause and effect. I did like the the the, the couple of sly romances going on, weren't there? Yeah, there was nothing yeah. overt. Uh, again, everybody's lying through their teeth or in denial. <laughs> but as it happens, we come towards reasons for that as well. So, Kian, you loved it. I 
it was a pleasant way to pass an evening and I will suggest a sense of maybe failed expectation but that did you know who did it uh, who who did failed my expectations no did you many, know who? many people <laughs> <laughs> throughout my life Keen. <laughs> did, did you know who the killer was before no, no 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 I had yeah. no idea I had thought it was the 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 gentle soul bunny who was killed off earlier she's played by Jenny Fulham uh, killed off early in the day and then oh god no sure the plot can't be driven on if her baddie's out of the picture exactly and yeah. then later on there is a, a hint of upset with a bottle of aspirin yeah and at that point that was very very telling but at the same <laughs> time everybody else's motivation and agenda and true background story it's just flipped out as I said it's got more revelations than the Bible <laughs> couldn't keep up with the pace but yeah look it's not a bad way to spend your money brilliant and Rose you were very busy this week with your theatre shows oh Keen, it's not over yet uh, ahead of us this evening um, some of us in house we have the Richard Harris International Film Festival, they have a big press reception in town and there will be many filmmakers, actors, producers at it. It's uh, but the, the, one, the one media gig I go to in the year in which the, the good representation of press there is absolutely dwarfed by the key stakeholders in the sector. Yeah. Produced to them. They're very, very successful at that level. Um, interviewed Zed Moore during the year and he was able to point the, the amount of activity and filmmaking and traction brought into the county and into the city with respect to local employment for, you know, lighting, sound engineers, set designers, uh, cast extras and lead roles that they now have this database that is cultivated by those who affiliate with Richard Harris International Festival of who is available in what profession, in what timeline. So if producers and filmmakers are thinking about coming to Limerick, brought in by Shannon, the International Airport, etc., that and our gorgeous films that's available, such as Thornfields in a Han, are the former FCG convent at Brough. That these sites of interest and sort of accompanied local knowledge is available to them when doing their recce, and it's helped land uh, big films here, such as um, driven by the Los Angeles director. Um, uh, the yellow wallpaper. I just got a note today saying that their casting was now complete. Brilliant, mm. excellent. So that's 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 part. That's all background to the Richard Harris International Festival, whose true mission is to uh, engage the Irish diaspora abroad with respect to filmmaking in Limerick. And uh, we'll have a chat about that next week after you go to the launch tonight, Rose. Here, here. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the alternative? <laughs> nice <laughs> to um, listener, there was a Fish Amble, the new the yeah the new play company. They're Dublin based. They tour throughout the country on a regular basis with top showmakers such as Pat Kinnevan. They're very much to the fore in pioneering new playwriting of real quality and with you know very name orientated gifted casts. Their latest reason to venture into town was their show The Alternative. This is written by Michael Patrick and Oshin Carney, directed by Fish Amble's own Jim Cullerton, who's, who's, who's a very, very able man. Um, the alternative was brought to production on foot of a national competition call-out, open submission, by Fish Amble for a play that reflected the state of Ireland today. They very much wanted this. It falls under the, 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 the banner sort of state of the nation sort of play. So Michael Patrick and Oisín Kearney, they're Irish writers um, living in and from Northern Ireland. They won the competition 
and the principal's casting it. It's set, the premise is it's set in BBC Dublin. There is no RTE, there never has been an RTE or Virgin Media because... Ireland has never left the Commonwealth. Thank you. You know the premise here that there has never been a civil war for separation, home rule rendered for us. Um, uh, A local parliament only, let's say, as with Scotland and with Wales. So, and James Connolly was the first leader of that. Um, interesting, the Prime Minister of it all is Irish-born, she's Ursula Lightett. And she's no retrograde um, Reese Mogg, Tory, you know, she's not of that mean at all. She leads a very progressive, go-ahead, avowedly socialist Labour government in Britain. It's interesting that she's an Irish woman, but then as it comes out in this televised debate with Ireland's First Minister, um, each looking to propagate their view she's very much remained because she wants Ireland to remain within her axis of power and Peter Kyo played by the wonderfully relaxed but on point Arthur Reardon he's the first minister urging no the true progression is if we leave if we become self-governing and of course he's talking about the entire 32 counties there because Ulster has never been split Um, as in the six counties have never been split apologies to Ulster there Rory Nolan, who's the class act we know from Breaking Dad and other um, Russell Carroll Kelly theatre pieces, he's the astonishingly arrogant but acute uh, television host in this. Lorcan Cranach does a gorgeous number as the behind-the-scene um, t- television producer. And the other disruptor in this chaos is um, she's Maeve Fitzgerald. She plays Gronya Devlin, who's very troubled, mentally ill. Daughter arrives backstage just on the cusp of this national televised debate that's going to animate the 12 million, apparently, living in Ireland to voters' day. Uh, full marks as well I want to give to Rachel O'Byrne who plays Hannah the um, she's Hannah Murray she's the, the co-producer who has to take over when Gronya's backstage disruption and demand for attention driven by her mental health and the recent death of her mother commands the attention span disastrously of her father as overarching producer so what unfolds then is hypnotic on stage this hypothetical alternative referendum, the Brexit of do we stay or do we go now or remain in the bosom of the the of the UK. There's very, very disre- disrespectful comment off camera from uh, Ursula Lysett as Prime Minister as to the voters. Um, Rory Nolan is atrociously, atrociously entitled and ignorant and ignorant, sorry, arrogant as the television producer but he's also on point with some of his comments and it's a split stage between upstairs what's happening in the backstage the producer's office exactly that hub is visible to the reader Uh, there's energy coming from the televised debate from the front of camera and off camera as well to us the audience furthermore it's a question and answer session so there are planted questions within the audience that's another break for chaos and there's more energy coming from a fourth point again that's the rioting um, demonstrators, the pro and against uh, vote. And again, the mounted police are called in, armed police are called in. Chaos is fed from within the studio to outside and that energy flows from outside in again. So it's really immersive, multi-sensory. It's also an extraordinary laugh, 
many, many times over. The characterization is so original for Ursula Lysett and for Peter Kyo, from the actress Karen Ardiff and from Arthur Reardon, from Lorcan Cranage as producer, from his daughter, from Hannah as well, Rachel O'Byrne. All of that works very well, but the writing and the premise. The chaos maker, Gronya, um, confronts her father about fears, many issues, in the most demanding, clawing, insistent way. And lots of myths about mental health. I found it ugly. Yeah. It turns out she's off her meds. Okay. So that's another spin into further chaos again. So remedy, not Gotham, have we? Um, the planted questions in the audience that really goes awry when a racist thug is given the floor by the presenter Rory Nolan for too long and it's mischief making it's hilarious it's frenetic it's real rock and roll but this really crude simplistic sort of semi-mythical sort of spinning mental health on the idea if you take your meds things will tie up in a rosy bow all will be well i i I found i found that i found that Oddly naive and retrograde in what is a very, very smart and really relevant. Play. So is that the only part that kind of let it down for you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's stunning. good. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Hugely engaging, entertaining and fun. Brilliant. And all, so and it's, it's worth checking out. Folks. Yes. Excellent. Look up Fat, uh, sorry, Fish Amble, the new play company. The alternative is touring countrywide. Look, it's a hot ticket. It's a hot seat. Go, Excellent. Go and laugh and be worried when you go home. And Rose, you can go and laugh and enjoy the Richard Harris International Film Festival launch tonight. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. This week's show is brought to you by Therapy Clinic in Limerick. I'd like to thank Rose Rush, our arts editor, for joining me this week. Jerry Collison, head of news. Bernie English, our journalist. Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show. And I welcome back John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, who hasn't been with me for the last two weeks. We love John Keogh. We do love back. John Keogh. So for all your news, sports, arts, entertainment, much, much more, podcasts and videos, visit limerickpost.ie. And to keep up to date with all Limerick news, follow the hashtag KeepingLimerickPosted across all social media channels. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are Keeping Limerick Posted.